Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's Saja webcast, your chance to interact with fascinating speakers from across the country and around the world. Please stay tuned for our next session. Hello everyone, welcome to yet another Saja webcast. My name is Sri Srinivasan, I'm co-founder of Saja and Chief Digital Officer of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. We're delighted to present another in our series with Sama. Sama is South Asians in media, marketing, and entertainment, and this is our series of high-profile webcasts via blogtalkradio.com with leading names in global media, arts, entertainment, politics, and so much more. Today, we're going to be talking about the New York Indian Film Festival, NYIFF or NIFE, and we're going to talk, about, we'll talk with filmmaker Shonali Bose, who made Margarita with a Straw, and Viva Bakshi, Daughters of Mother India, and actor Kalki Kulchulin. The festival's opening night film this year was Bose's Margarita with a Straw. The film is a poignant portrayal of a rebellious young woman with cerebral palsy who leaves her home in India to study in New York, unexpectedly falls in love, and embarks on an exhilarating journey of self-discovery. Viva Bakshi's Daughters of Mother India is this year's national award winner for best film on social issues under the non-narrative category. The documentary focuses on the aftermath of the 2012 Delhi rape incident and India's ban on the broadcast of the documentary India's Daughter by British filmmaker Leslie Udwin. The show will feature candid conversations around topics such as the prevalence of women filmmakers today and the role films can play in raising awareness for mental health issues and women's safety in India. The show today is going to be hosted by Divya Singaravelu, who is a Saja board member, and she's at Divya underscore 158 on Twitter, and Saja is at Saja HQ on Twitter. If you have a question, please submit it via Twitter at Saja HQ. We're using the hashtag hash S-A-J-A-N-Y-I-F-F. Over to Divya, and have a fantastic show. Thank you so much, Sri. And thank you so much for being with us today, Viva. It's such an honor. Thank you for having me. So let's start with congratulating you for this amazing honor, National Award. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask is that as soon as this happened on December 2012, there was a lot of uproar and a lot of people wanted to cover that. And what happened over the past year is that we've seen a lot of documentaries come out of it. Of course, we know about India's daughter, Leslie Adwin. Um, There was a Vice documentary. So a lot of people were doing different things on this topic. So when you decided that you wanted to do a documentary to showcase the aftermath, what sort of um, you know, ideas came to your mind? How did you want this to be a different project? I was in India when the, uh, when the protest started. And you know, uh, having lived uh, in the United States for 14 years, and then I was at India at the time of the revolution, I had never seen a country react to a gender crime the way India did. And actually, I, I was such a proud Indian. It was middle of winter. There were men, there were women, there were young children, there were old people. They basically withstood the weather and came out protesting. And that's when I said that this must be documented. I could not wait for a network because the moment had to be captured. And that's when the story began. We all know, I mean, it was very widely covered what 
happened that night. Mm -hmm. But what people don't know is what happened to India after Nirbhaya. And so our journey is really about documenting India after Nirbhaya. And we covered the police and the judicial system. In your documentary, you also covered what happened to a five-year-old girl. You call her Gudia in the film. That's right. And she has been molested and the aftermath that her family had to follow. Do you see any kind of parallels between what happened to her, this really young girl, and what happened with, with the medical student who was raped in the bus? Oh, it, it, five-year-old Gudia was gang-raped. And when I found her in the room 48 hours after she was gang-raped, and we took her to the medical room. There were candles and bottles that were inserted inside her. She was another Nirbhaya for me. In fact, the night Nirbhaya happened, there were other Nirbhayas too. Yes. But the reason Gurya comes into our story and she threads it is basically to understand that this crime happens. You know, it will continue. But what is it that we can do to change it? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure Gurya is in my film, but there, were other, there are other Guryas too. As we speak, there can be another Gurya out there, and we need to get to her. We need mm -hmm. to stop this. And I think um, what we decided to do is that the subject is very, very sensitive, and our entire aim was that we have to make a responsible film. Yes, I mean, it's something that's very hard to even understand. How can a five-year-old be gang-raped, right? I mean, I can understand how difficult it must have been for the girl, how difficult it must have been for the parents who are going through this. What did you see, you know? I mean, how did the parents address this? What was going on in their minds? You know, um, actually, it was their silence that said everything. They were broken people. And when I found her, I am a mother of uh, two young children, and I called up my husband, Vishal, and I told him, I don't have the strength to continue. I have taken up this issue, but I don't have the strength to continue. And he told me, you cannot unsee what you've seen. And the only closure you will get is when the film is complete and somebody's life changes. And that's really the strength with which we worked and I am really grateful the film has completed and by getting the President's Award, it will give momentum to the issue which deserves the attention. And for that, we are very grateful. Yeah, and one interesting thing about your film that I found out was you, you were the first crew to go into the Delhi Police's control room. How was that experience like? Yes, um, I think the police is a very, very critical part of the movement. Mm -hmm. They are in the front line of the fire. And so when I was doing this film, I knew that without the police angle, this is a very incomplete story. Mm -hmm. And we approached the police commissioner who was under fire at that time. And so we told him, the world is watching. And if you believe that you are doing the right thing, you have to trust us that we will not sensationalize the issue. Really, we want to gain mm -hmm. access is because we really want people to come together the way they have and continue the fight. And he trusted us. And he said, I am a father of two daughters and I want to do the right thing. And we were in. We had gained access to the police control and command room and we basically, for the first time, you see the police talking. Yeah. So how did, how did the whole theme kind of weave in? You said that it was a reactive experience for you. Absolutely. You saw like ordinary men and women getting into the street, yes. and you wanted to cover that, the way India reacted. You wanted to cover yes. that. 
But did you at that point have some sort of a narrative framework that this is the path that your documentary is going to take? Or how did you start with that journey? And when you compare it now that the story has been made yes. and to the point that you just started with the story, what is that you see is the most remarkable aspect of that whole journey? I was like any other Indian. I was like any other Indian woman who was searching for answers for her own gender. And really, this is a filmmaker's journey. These are the incredible people that I met in the journey. There was no script to follow. We really went with how the kind of access we were getting. But what I realized was there were incredible people who were relentlessly working towards change. And a very important aspect that I realized that in order to continue the movement, you cannot leave people with disgust and disillusionment. Mm -hmm. You have to leave people with hope, otherwise the fight is lost. And by showcasing an India where, where the stakeholders are involved who want change, I think that is what has united India. The reason India has embraced this film is because it is the only film where we have got support from the government, we've got support from the police, we've got support from academia. Today I feel, I feel humbled and grateful that the police across India are screening the film to gender sensitize the force. And that is really one big step in the right direction. Today the film is part of 200 schools curriculum to wow. gender sensitize children. And that is what we wanted. We need everybody involved for change to happen. I am just a storyteller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just looking at your um, documentary and there was a very interesting thing that somebody had said, a quote. Um, it goes something like this. When India received freedom in 1947, it was for the men and not for the women in India. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What is your opinion now that you've seen all of this happen going on in India and we are now so many years, 60 plus years since that day, um, since, since we received independence. So do you see there is some truth to the statement that this gentleman made i think what he was uh, what he was uh, really uh, what he was really talking about is that let's not take things for granted and he's just another example of a person who's trying to make change happen he's part of the theater activist group and another interesting quote that he said i hope i don't have to do any of these plays you know mm -hmm. for a long time and that change actually happens and so it is really about everyone getting together, starting a dialogue, breaking the conspiracy of silence. And that is what is happening in India now. We are definitely talking about it. All right, great. Thank you. So we are now joined by um, Shonali Bose, the director Hi. of Margarita with a Straw, and Kalki Kochlin, the actor. Hi. And we were talking to Vibha about her documentary, Daughters of Mother India, uh, and... Uh, you had this very interesting video made as soon as this, this uh, uh, you know, talks about the rape was yeah. going on, a lot of awareness about the rape was going on, gender, gender sensitivity uh, was going on. Your video was uh, produced by AIB, the All India Bhakshod, and was called It's Your, it's your Fault. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was, um, 
this completely AIB's idea, actually. They came up with it. And uh, in fact, when they came to me with it, I, you know, I know them very well because they're comedians. So when they came and said, uh, I want to do a sketch with you, I was like, listen, right now I'm really busy. I've got lots of stuff on my plate. There's no way I can do a sketch. And I'm like, okay, just read the script and, and whatever. So I read the script and I was like, can we do this tomorrow morning? <laughs> so, you know, it was it was so brilliantly done because, you know, there was so much being said and and re-said and, uh, about the Nirbhaya Gates and about women in India. And I was like, how can we reach out to just every ordinary person and say something which is so basic and, and, and say it with a sense of humor rather than sort of spoon-feeding it or lecturing it to people, you know. So I thought that was really nicely done by them. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was it was a really funny video, and you know when you're talking about important things like rape, obviously people have to be sensitive about that. And you know in the in the in the process of being sensitive, it becomes a little bit melodramatic that the message is lost in many times. And this video was really interesting in that it was humor you're using humor to drive social change. And the the video has gained more than close to five million views on YouTube. Wow. It has some interesting wow. things like. Chow mein, eating chow mein causes hormonal <laughs> imbalances in women that yes. makes them, you know, promiscuous yes. and, in, you know, invites rape and uh, cell phones invite rapes and all of that. So were you involved in, in, in some of those ideas? Or uh, what, what was yeah, involved? they sent me the script, they asked for feedback, so we, we, both me and Juhi, who was the other actor in it, we both gave back some feedback and they added a few things here and there, uh, like the, um, the bhaiya one. Uh, you know, so so I think it it was nice that we got to collaborate, and I think what was funny is we were super nervous that you know some person's gonna come after us for making this video and everything. And one week later, definitely the media came after us, but it wasn't like it was you know in a positive way and not not so much you know uh, some sort of negative you know person who was just saying you know what you're doing is offensive. You can't make fun of these things because you know it has to be taken in in the right context. Yes. You know, Kalki, I was forwarded that video by an 87-year-old who said, must watch. (laughs) And I had this list and you could, I I recognize those people, they are very senior, very well-respected individuals who were passing the message on. No, it's really fantastic and it's true. It's it's reached all generations. Absolutely. Yes, yes. So let's take a little segue because, you know, I just realized I am sitting in front of three very beautiful women, not only beautiful, vibrant, and talented as well. And, you know, it's really interesting to see how far women have come in Indian cinema, not just the role that women portray in films um, in terms of, you know, having female-centric roles, but also the role of women behind the scenes as well. We have two directors over here, award-winning filmmakers. So I want to talk to you, Shanali. Can you talk to us about your journey as a filmmaker? And how different it is being a woman filmmaker in this industry? Do you see any difference at all? Is there any bias? You know, I feel that um, the bias would be in terms of what kind of films we are offered. So, for instance, for any independent filmmaker, I think the struggle, I don't feel my struggle is necessarily more than my male counterparts, right? To make an independent film, the, the funding is the key thing. You never get money for a difficult subject or for something different. So that, I think, is that enormous struggle exists. I think in terms of um, uh, crewing up and working with crew, this was a question I'm always asked abroad. I didn't have any issue. I myself was going in as a filmmaker from Los Angeles, having lived and been trained in America, going to shoot in India. My first film, Amun, 2004, when I shot, completely at home and comfortable with the cast and crew. So there was no issue of uh, respect or of, you know, 
uh, that kind of thing that people feel that, you know, would that be there. Um, I think that discrimination comes in in terms of, so for, with actors, of course, what kind of roles you're offered. I think with directors, even if you're a very talented director, now, so, so say Margarita with the straw, uh, following up with Amu with you know, huge awards and a lot of acclaim, will I be given a mainstream action film? No. Just so they won't look at, they'll be like, you can do the emotional films, you know, they feel, then they feel you've done an emotional film, and that's the hardest thing to do, you know, to, to, to direct an action film or a big Bollywood blockbuster. It's just, it's completely, really, by Hakka Kale, as they say, it's like child's play compared to directing a, uh, a film like Margarita with a straw. So I think the discrimination is in what they can offer men. They would give a newbie male director some big budget, you know, 50 crore film over giving that to me. But if it was a drama or emotional, small budget, they would feel that. I think that's the kind of boxing I experience. But how do you think you can change that? Do you, can you change that at all? Do you see women filmmakers yeah, doing so Goya that smash that myth, you know, Farah Khan has. So, I mean, but he's like, Farah's, uh, Farah was a big supporter of Margarita, and her drive has always been that she's not considered one of the 100 crore club, even though her films have made. So there is that male club, and somehow she's not, it's not talked about in the same way about her films. You know, Farah makes very mainstream Bollywood films, and that's what she wants to make. But she's still not in that same way as the other mainstream male Bollywood filmmakers. You know, there's still a difference. But I do feel like, you know, Zoya having huge success with mm -hmm. her films, making those commercial films and showing that she can do it too, that's important. And, um, yeah, I think there is, there is, the thing is that because there are women writers and directors, so we're writing different kinds of roles. Like, it's automatic for me to write roles. Like, they're not feminist films, but just the way, so, the, so Margarita, the, so the mother, the fact that she's driving the van, that's not mm -hmm. the point of the film. It's just automatic, it's just part of it. Right? So that's the way that you, you know, change things, you change values, you change things, and that's what's important, that we put out things more like that. Not just oppression, I think it becomes that if you're women, it's only about, you know, is it just women's oppression or women as victims? Mm -hmm. And not just showing women as empowered beings, you know, in middle class, upper class society, or whatever they're doing, and that's important. Yeah, I want to I wanna ask, um, you know, about this question as well. I mean, we started talking about economics just before the, the radio show started. Um, what does it take, you know, when you decide that you want to do a documentary, how do you budget that? And once you budget that, how do you go securing funds for doing something like this? My previous uh, films have been backed by HBO and Lifetime. So this was my first film out of India as an independent producer and director. And I think what drove this film was just, it was that passion and commitment. At that point, we did not think about money. It was more important that that moment gets uh, documented and we said it will take we will just do whatever it takes and I'm very grateful because I really had the best of Bollywood join hands mm -hmm. and they did it for the right reasons and we really moved we had people who did not take money but they said that this has to be done otherwise I could not have afforded those rates for the DOP or the editor and everybody joined hands Today, the film is being dubbed in multi-regional uh, uh, multi, uh, languages, and when the artists came in, we had our chests ready, mm. and nobody took money. And that is also what we want to show. That is also India, right? It's about people making change happen. And that is what our Daughters of Mother India is a story about hope. Mm -hmm. You know? And, and I think that is a, it, it's a tough sell, Right, it's easier to sensationalize an issue and sell it. 
And when it becomes a responsible film, it's much more difficult. But I think we're glad we did the right yeah, thing. I hope and also the, the, the activism that you, you know, right. just not just on screen, but what you're saying off screen, that Absolutely. people come together because they feel so strongly. That was why it was one of the landmark things in our country. There's been hugely horrific rapes in our country, unfortunately. This is not the first, yes. right? Terrible ones, you know, and police lock up in, in the villages mm -hmm. against tribals. Just terrible. But this, the social movement that arose, Absolutely. and what I love to hear is that how people, everybody wanted to support, Absolutely. to capture this. I mean, this yesterday I'm talking to Shunali. I mean, I have so much respect for her as a filmmaker. Hugged her, and the first thing Shanali tells me is, we have to get you to LA. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a movement of thought when you support each other and say, the word has to get out there? And yeah. these are the incredible people we met in our journey. And this is what we want the world to see. Not that, oh, you know, oh, their rapes are happening, it happens everywhere. I did the US campaign to stop violence against women, the US government's campaign for Lifetime TV. Problems are the same. Whether the rapist is from India or from the United States, they speak the same language. It's just that the zones are different. Yeah. I mean, that, you bring up a very interesting point. Of course, this is a story of hope. This is a story of inspiration. But you were able to garner that. There were a lot of people, um, you know, journalists and even NGO workers who were not successful in getting that kind of support. I can give you the example of activist Sunita Krishnan. So she is the founder of an NGO called Prajwala. She was here in the United States very recently for the Women in the World Summit. And um, she is the one, if you know, uh, is the founder who started the Shame the Rapist campaign. Yes. Um, you know, it, it was not talked talked about as much as some of the other campaigns are being talked about, but she, again, is a gang rape survivor. And she came across this video of eight guys um, raping, raping a woman. And this was a video captured on somebody's cell phone, and it's going the rounds yeah. on WhatsApp. Yeah. And there are other such videos as well going, going rounds on WhatsApp. Um, unfortunately, she was not very successful to get that kind of media to support her to talk about this campaign. So what I'd like to understand is that you've been very lucky and you've been getting this generous support. Can you give a little bit of advice maybe for people in terms of how to go and get support like this? Uh, honestly, I'm really <laughs> such an insignificant part of the movement. I'm just the storyteller. But I think what changed in our film is the police. So the toughest critics, mm -hmm. the police embrace the film. Today, the film is being screened across the police force in India. So we screened it at the National Police Academy. The director issued memos to all the commissioners saying mandatory watch. So it really depends on who supports it, and then it just continues. So the reason it started getting translated in different languages is because it has to reach the different police stations. And I think once the support came in from the police, a lot changed. Then the academia came in. It's playing in 200 schools as part mm -hmm. of the curriculum. One thing led to another. And now with the national award, we have the support of the government. So really, I don't think there is any, uh, uh, there's any uh, you know, formula that does it. It's just a matter of what felt right for that moment. <coughs> and then one took the movement forward. But the thing is that it's also because he Nirbhaya captured the world's attention, yes. not just India's. So you see, in, even in fact, after Nirbhaya, there's been horrific yes. gang rape cases. Yes. There's one, you know, I heard of this, this girl, so she was gang raped. Her father took her to the police station. They got threatened. They left their 
village moved to Delhi. They were living far off in an area in Delhi. The rapists came after them because they complained to the police. Yeah. Kill the girl, kill the father. Wow. We never ever heard this. I just know it because I work with women's organizations, etc. So I know this case. So the point is, for whatever reason, Nirbhaya captured the world's attention, and that's great because it, it, mm -hmm. it is a horrific thing. And what was horrific, uh, what was wonderful is young women coming out in the streets in yeah. Delhi. I was there at the time. Yeah. Just the energy and the, just young men and women, everybody yeah. coming out. So that is what's important. It's not just the horrificness of the rape, yeah. but that has gone on and yeah. on. Are endlessly with I mean with state violence like what's worse is when army army carries out gang rape in Kashmir in Assam yeah. in, in in the northeast uh, to to subdue when landlords in the Bhumi Sena in Bihar these are power backed organizations where they that's how they control uh, you know a, a, a social movement a peasant movement right. an uprising by intimidating the women by gang raping mm -hmm. large sections of a village. These are the kinds of cases we've had in India. Has anybody, you know, filmmakers yeah, yeah. have made documentaries, yeah. people have, you've, nobody's heard this just like the case you're saying. But Nirbhaya, for whatever reason, captured, uh, led to a spark. Yeah. It happens mm -hmm. when you're ending slavery, when you're ending anything. Yeah. At yeah. times, there's one incident, yeah. there's one Rosa Parks. This was that. You see, it yeah. was that. That, that captured, and that is why any film or anything done on this is also then getting yeah. it. Uh, I mean, I, as I told you, that night of Nirbhaya, I mean, we're sure there were other Nirbhayas that, that happened that night, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not that it's such an isolated case, but she's right. That got the attention, but then what did we do after that? Mm -hmm. what, did we, what, what happened to India after all that revolution that yes. unleashed on the streets? Yes, I, I, I like to think about this in three different ways, right? What happened to women in general? What happened to society when they came to facing, um, you know, survivors of, of rape or molestation? and how the government is reacting to that in terms of law enforcement in, in place. I think one significant change that happened is the first point about women themselves. In the past, people were not forthcoming to say, like, I was a victim. And I think this movement you know, also coined this new phrase of rape survivor. Yes. Right? People is, you know, it, 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 there was some sort of dignity associated with that. Before it was just, oh, she, it's her fault. You know, she got into this situation and she got raped and now people want to be forthcoming. People are, are talking about their experience. I think you also spoke about your experience, um, Kalki, when you were working on the It's Your Fault, a fault video. Did I? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. okay. Of rape? No. Not no, of rape. not not of rape. But then, you know, in terms of, you know, um, bias, gender bias, discrimination that people, you know, women experience. Can you talk a little bit about that? Has there been any instances for you in, term, in terms of, did you experience any kind of bias or discrimination? I think you're talking gender? about my CSA, my child sexual abuse, which I don't want to talk about because it gets the wrong kind of publicity when a celebrity takes you know, puts in the details, but I work with NGOs that work with CSA, that's why I talk about it. Um, but I, I feel definitely, like, an, on a daily basis, we are, as women, facing violence, whether that's emotional violence, because, you know, um, you are, you know, you're dressed a certain way, and you're, <laughs> your neighbors are going to judge you on that basis, and, you know, uh, sort of give you a hard time with the little yeah. things, you know, whether, you know, I had trouble uh, moving into an apartment because I was a single woman uh, living alone. Um, so there, there are, there's that level, which is just everyday stuff. When you go out on the street, it's just 
so ordinary and normal now for somebody to whistle at you and mm-hmm. you know ease tease you and 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 if you're in a bus a crowded bus to get pinched and all of those things so uh, and how often do we talk about it or re- report it or yeah. you know speak about it we just let it go we just let it slide because we have to get on with life and sometimes um, you feel like it's your fault right and yeah and you're like oh, oh I should have dressed better I, I shouldn't have uh, I won't wear a short skirt next time or, you know depending on what you start censoring yourself depending on what time of night you're coming home yeah. where you're going who you're going with etc so um yeah there are there are a million things which affect us on a daily basis which which you can't change everything with some magical wand there's not you know we need a hundred more uh, documentaries movies and 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 you know videos that go viral because you you can't just put one one and it, it progress is so different for different people in a small village it's 200 years behind from a, ta- a, yes. a a city so so each one has to you know open a window in into one world uh you know so you ca- you can't get one movie that just covers it all yeah <laughs> finds all the solutions and that's why your film so great you've entered into a territory into a subject that has never been done. Let's talk a little bit more about your movie, Shanali. Um, I read that your inspiration for this movie has been your cousin Malini, and uh, you know, after you know, you were having drinks with her in London, and you decided to explore this topic of not just disability, but then sexuality and disability. Um, can you talk about your journey in terms of writing the script for this? Yeah, I think it was so brave of her and is brave of her to keep talking about that because it is so taboo mm-hmm. to for a woman mm-hmm. to say that I want sex. And I know just my own aunt, how she reacted. And she said this, we were having this argument and she was like, you know, you're just setting yourself up that any guy may come and touch you up. Like, don't keep saying like that, I want sex, I want sex. And, you know, mm-hmm. I intervened and said that, you know, so... That that just shows that this is a very westernized, very educated person who felt scared for her daughter because her daughter is vulnerable, being in a wheelchair. And if she's just out there in the bo- bo- Mumbai Mirror and the Bombay Times saying, I want to have sex, she's mm. worried as a mother. Mm. So yeah. her way then is to be protectionist and to just say, you know, let's try to tame down the sexuality. Let's try to tame down this talk about saying... And, and, you know, she's like, you know, you've put these ideas in her head. I'm like, no, no, not at all. You know, it was really an eye-opener for me when she said that to me, that I want to have sex uh, by the time I'm 40 and that I hadn't thought about that. And that the disabled are looked at as asexual beings completely, mm-hmm. you know, and um, especially women. So women, because the body is so important about you. Know, so to have a disabled body, then a woman is even more. So disabled men often get to marry. Now many times it is because it's an arranged marriage or money is given actually, yeah. so that um, you know you marry a poor girl off to take, be the carer because the parents want that. Well, what will happen when we die? Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that actually go within the disability movement where marriage and sex is concerned. Uh, so where women are concerned, women who are disabled, it's a huge, huge thing. So to be able to break that and just say that we are sexual beings. Now, interestingly, what happened is, and Kalki told me about it, was on her Twitter, I'm not on Twitter. So uh, an actress in Colors, uh, which is a popular kind of mainstream TV channel, mm-hmm. which has a lot of soaps, wrote an open letter to me saying that we are, I'm setting up that women will get molested who are disabled by, you know, having a film in which this character is sexual. Oh, wow. Yes. And then there was a 
brilliant, wonderful reply. I I chose to just stay out of it. Uh, it was really ridiculous. What was the reply? Uh, but uh, just to finish saying, and she even went on Amitabh Bachchan's Twitter to saying that why did you support this film? Do you yeah. you know? And to, to Amit Khan, <laughs> that you, you research Tari Zameen, but Shonali both hasn't clearly researched what cerebral palsy people are victims, or she called them, or patients. Cerebral palsy patients are that you know they're not obsessed with sex or whatever. So this woman, Bishakada, wrote a brilliant repartee on that. And, and she said, you know, the biggest sexual organ is the brain. And, uh, you know, and, and you think somebody, they just have one, if they only have one finger, you think they won't masturbate? And you know, it was a brilliant, brilliant reply, talking about the fact that, yes, even those who are disabled are sexual beings. And it's so important that we just break that, that taboo. And I think that one of the... For even for me, it felt courageous to put that scene. But that when she masturbates, and it's, yeah. it's beautifully done also. And she, she shares the room with her younger mm-hmm. brother, and she take you know she moves to the corner of the room to be private, and she does it. But she does it. Why won't she? But it it is so taboo to even think of any yeah. able-bodied woman. You you you're supposed to. It's as if that you don't masturbate. This is the this is the ridiculousness of it, where sexuality is concerned and young women, right? In India, yeah. so. I think that was also a brave scene. More for me than the lovemaking scene was that moment of yeah. private privacy where this young woman, it doesn't matter if she's able-bodied disabled, this young woman is masturbating mm-hmm. in the privacy of her room. And that yeah, what's really interesting is that not just sexuality, but you've discussed bisexuality as well. Any reason why you wanted to explore that angle? It was there was no thought out reason I myself am bisexual. I think just subliminally, I, I my character when I became the character, like after a year of writing, I gave myself permission to be Lila, and Lila was just automatically. Khanum is way more interesting than Jared. Who would choose Jared over Khanum? <laughs> and so I yeah I I've been openly bisexual since I was 18, 19, mm-hmm. and I wasn't trying to make a political point mm-hmm. or or anything actually. It was, like, for me at that age, at 18, when I fell in love with a woman, that time I didn't think I'm bisexual, I felt I'm gay. It was my first sexual relationship. It's after that that I identified I'm bisexual. But at that moment, it was like, Lyle, I didn't even know what gay was. I didn't know what it meant. I just mm-hmm. fell in love with a woman, and I had this experience. So, yeah. um, I, I think these, these it's, I don't go for labeling or those things, and I think that, you know, really, why should it have to be in the public domain? But it is, because it's illegal. Yeah. That's why your private sexuality, who you choose to sleep with should be your business, right? Yeah. If you have a gender or whether you're married, unmarried, whatever it is. But it's in the public domain. Because in some countries, if it's out of marriage, it's affair, you can be killed. In our country, if you're gay, you, you, you can be in jail. Right? So <laughs> yeah. this is what makes sexuality in the public domain. This is why we then have to talk about it. Did it, did it worry you at all? I think your movie just released in India on April 17th. Um, did it worry you at all? Because there were this topic of sexuality and the topic of especially you know, gay and lesbianism was explored in the past. We all know what happened with Deepa Mehta's film, Fire. It was banned and there was a lot of protest, uh, pro- uh, protests and she was getting a lot of death threats and all of that. Did that worry you at all that you're exploring such a taboo topic? I'm bitterly disappointed that we didn't get attacked <laughs> at all because I, I, I'm a raging warrior. I'm like, the whole time leading up to India release, I was like, bring it on. I, just, I want to take on the BHP. I just want to take on the right wing. Somebody like you, you can, you can attack me physically also. Like this is so important for me. 
and the fact that it's illegal. So let's, and we, we you know, even tell, I told, we, we are having fiery debates on television because we're discussing this, it's like out there and thing, nothing. Instead, <laughs> <laughs> they were going packed houses, everybody was applauding, people were fighting for tickets, and Vikalki, absolutely beyond brilliant. I cannot imagine anyone doing wonderful, that. Wonderful, the wonderful only thing about the film so is that it got people who are homophobic. And yes. you know, we had screenings yes. for, like, we had screenings for our producers from Marwari in Pune, 350 Marwaris. These <laughs> women, when they menstruate, they cannot go into the kitchen. I kid you not, because <laughs> I know them. They cannot. So, they sat through watching a gay lovemaking scene and they came out saying it's so sensitive and it's opened our minds up. So this is a mind-blowing response that's happened that we're running in the third week where people were not exposed to this. I feel what happened with Fire, I know it for a fact, it's because she used Radha and um, mm -hmm. um, Sita. VHP, mm -hmm. I realized it, it's as, so it happened with PK also. The minute you touch mm -hmm. Hinduism, the minute you touch mm -hmm. anything religious, so it's interesting, it's actually not sexuality that yeah. bothers them. It's religion. If you touch uh -huh. the Hinduism, then that's when. Yeah, yeah. It was that that the two women are called Sita and Radha. How could you have Sita and Radha uh, doing that? Yeah. Let's talk about Kalki's role. Phenomenal role. It was amazing watching you, you know, in that in that role, in the role of Layla. How did you prepare for that? Because for somebody who is not informed, they would by the fact that you weren't in fact, uh, somebody who has cerebral palsy, it was so flawlessly executed. How did you prepare yourself for this role? Uh, well, uh, it was, I was terrified at the beginning. I didn't know if I could pull this off. And, you know, I think the great thing is that Shonali and me were completely on the same page that there would need to be a lot of preparation for the film. Um, I, of course, met Malini, her cousin, who had cerebral palsy. And we, we spent a lot of time together. I stayed at her house. I, I really got to observe her close up, you know, mm -hmm. which you don't get to do very often. Where, you know, when somebody is in their private space, they're very different from what they are in their public space. I, I got to go out with her. I got drunk with her. And <laughs> lots of mad things which I can't uh, say because her mother will, you know. And really you were shocked upset. when she ordered her first drink. Yes, when she first ordered a drink, I was like shocked, and I was shocked at my own shock. I was like, <laughs> why am I shocked that a woman in a wheelchair wants to have a drink? So you know, it it broke my own taboos. I, I you know I I was exposed to to uh, another world which I just I had never ever met anyone with a disability. I, I had, but you know I hadn't really mm -hmm. interacted or closely you know been associated with anyone with disability. So for me it was a huge awareness thing. Um, and and on top of that, of course, it was practice, daily practice for months of uh, just sitting in the wheelchair, being Lila, doing whatever daily activities I had to do in the day making breakfast, uh, getting ready, working on my computer as Lila in character. So it just became a habit. You know, it became muscle memory. It became something where I didn't have to think that I'm going to move this right hand here to catch the glass. It just it just came automatically. So uh, so much so that at times we would go out for a drink with my friends and I would grab you all the time like Lila. Yeah. You know, it, it just became uh, body memory. Uh, so I wanted that <coughs> aspect to get out of the way first. I wanted the physicality out of the way yeah. so that I could then work on the emotional and psychological mm -hmm. things. Because there's enough in that even if you take away the disability, there's a very interesting and complex character. Mm -hmm. You know, so any teenager who's, who's going through, um, you know, awkwardness, uh, re self-realization, uh, you know, loss, so many things. So it was a lot of things to deal with. So I wanted to 
to sort of get that physicality completely out of the way so it was automatic so that then, you know, we could really work on, on, on Lila as a person. Yeah, there's so many different you know, layers as well. Like for her, I chose to shoot on digital just mm -hmm. because mentally you feel that you can roll as much as you can on digital. Actually, it ends up being expensive, but I felt that, you know, she's going to need a lot of takes. I have to give her as much as she needs. It's such a difficult thing. She gave me single perfect takes. The entire wow. film, wow. the entire film, if we had to do a second take, it was for safety, with every other actor, eight, nine takes, every other actor in the film, we had to take, and you know, I had to just, I was feeling for her, because she had to just be patient with her co-actors, yeah. and her, you know, it's, it's, you know her, she has mm -hmm. the most physically challenging thing, so we had to repeat that for all the other actors. It's because of the, it's a talent of course, but it's because of the commitment and dedication yeah. and hard work she put in. Mm -hmm. And the Talent Film Festival, a very, very top festival in the world, mm -hmm. the best actor went to Eddie Redmayne mm -hmm. and the best actress went wow. to her. And it's just yeah. tragedy that we can't compete. If we were in this year's Oscars, this poor <laughs> Julian, she wouldn't have got it this year also because <laughs> she would have got it and deserved it. Embarrassing. Yeah. And the jury, so didn't, but the jury didn't believe no, this is true. Even yesterday, people told me when she you walked on yeah. that they were stunned that you didn't come in a wheelchair. The jury and talent didn't believe that she didn't. Yes, that's what I was saying. And I mean, also, audience gasped when she walked on the stage. <laughs> but really, it was it, it was perfection. <laughs> that's what it was. But and my favorite thing is that my, the favorite compliment is that her mother phoned her and said, "I'm so proud of you." Yeah, which uh, she never said. Wow, I'm so highly critical of everything I do. And she said, I am so proud of you. And then she also said, Bakati, now what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you can't even do anything better than this. <laughs> no, Katya, I like all your films. Let's talk about some of the scenes in, 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 the, in the film. What would you say is the most difficult scene you had to act? Oh, God, there's so many. Are, were the, the intimacy scenes a little bit yes, difficult? Yes, or? yes, definitely. You know, I, I was so cool about the whole intimacy thing. I, I was telling Shonali, don't worry, I'm fine with it. I'm so comfortable with my body. You don't need to worry. Of course, conceptually as well, the idea of gay love has, you know, I have no problem with it. And, you know, I was completely all right with, with the whole thing. But when we actually shot it on the day, there's like 15 people looking at <laughs> looking you. At you. Uh, <laughs> and you're, you know naked, literally and figuratively, and there's somebody <laughs> fixing something on the, on, the, on the mattress next to you, somebody fixing your makeup, you know, uh, so it's, it's just so many things going on, and on top of that, you're redoing the same scene over and over, so it's, it's, it's awkward, it's not easy, uh, you know, so it was pretty difficult to do, yeah. What, what would you say was your biggest learning from working on this project? Um... I think the value, uh, for as an actor, the value of, of riyaz and rehearsal. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as Shunali said, I was taking one takes, but that's because of the amount of preparation that she made me do, and because I had to, I had to be so comfortable in that that it became yeah. part of me. And you know, it, it gives you so much freedom when you're not thinking about the dialogues or your physicality, the way you move, or any or your costume or any of those things. And it just gives you the freedom to be that person. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that was very valuable for me. Okay, great. So I read somewhere, I don't know if this is true, but you made all your actors 
take med- meditation lessons or teach them meditation to prepare well, themselves for this role. What happened is when I was observing in, in rehearsal, the, one of the key things the director does is to really observe the actors. What are their strengths and weaknesses? Mm-hmm. And I found that with my Kanum, uh, played by Shalini, her, her energies were very scattered and I needed her. She not only as a character, very grounded in her skin, you know, came out as a gay person at the age of 14 and an activist. Uh, but uh, and also as a blind person, like her energy needed to be inward, and she needed to be centered inside herself. And it, I was just watching, and I was just feeling that, what, what should I do? What should I do? And suddenly the curtain, and I said, Have you ever meditated? And she said, No. So then I taught her meditation, and it was oh. very scary for her. And wow. the first time, when I made her come to my house, she was staying in a hotel in Delhi. This uh, rehearsal process was about two weeks. She, so, so that she, I was there because she was very scared doing it to j- suddenly just be with her own thoughts and and in silence like that and. I feel it completely altered her performance once she started doing that. I, I think Kalki meditates on her own. Nobody else uh, didn't do that with anyone else. Okay, great. So let's talk about some of the technical aspects of filmmaking. So you shot this in Delhi and you shot this in New York. Any one city better than the le- uh, better than the other in terms of logistics with filming? Well, Delhi was slammed down, you know, was fantastic. I mean, New York was a nightmare Home for field me. advantage, right? Uh, New- well, no, I've grown up in, the- I live in the U.S. I've lived here, you know, almost 30 years. I went to film school here. So it's this is much stronger for me. And I've lived in New York mm-hmm. and I've lived in L.A. Um, the difference was that New York crew was te- really terrible. It was <laughs> the, the June when it's the peak season. So we, we didn't get all the talented, great crew. Talented, great crew, actually, it ends up that they are also the more committed people. And when you're left with those who are just like, you know, it's a day job, that that attitude difference was so shocking for me, where the first AD says, well, it's not my job to touch the chairs. And we're having to wrap set and we are lifting chairs ourselves as a director and racing lifting chairs and that's the attitude. You know, or then another person came in as first AD was like, you Indians don't know how to... How, how to handle crew. He was Indian himself, funnily. <laughs> he did less in this country than I have. Had a bigger accent than me. Why? Wow. I got to film school here. I was shocked by the. And then we had a really racist female from a person, you know, it, it, ironically, on the day we shot a demonstration against uh, police racism. Yes. yes. At the end of that day, this email went out to the whole cast and crew where she said, the Indian dogs go back to India. Oh, wow. Because I just very mildly told her in the morning that, you know, you don't have the lead actors ready and I have a hundred extras waiting. You don't wow. have the lead actors ready. So it was traumatic for me, actually, shooting in New York. And India, I just felt the, the support of there was huge screw-ups and huge inefficiency. Again, we had no money, so we didn't have some great crew or anything, but that love and commitment mm. and feeling of a team was there. They were there. Didi, we are there. And they were irritating, but they were there. You felt like you know yeah. the team is going to make the day and make it happen come what may, and that's the huge difference between the two countries. And really, I was so relieved to go back to Delhi uh, to do more stuff. Okay, great. So I wanted to ask, I mean, were you approached by, you know, people uh, who are differently able or organizations that help people who are differently able to use your film as a means of, like, how how they're using Vibhasam to sensitize around the topic? Has Have, have you been approached in that Hugely, like, right now, straight after this, you know, today I'm meeting somebody because they have a big, con- uh, huge discussion in Hawaii, actually, on cerebral palsy and other disabilities. And everybody is just, there were a lot of people from UCP, they got funded by UCP, United mm-hmm. Cerebral Palsy, to come in. And this young black man who's also gay in a wheelchair, he had tears in his eyes. And they were like, there's nobody's dealt with this. Yes, nobody's dealt with, firstly, leave alone sexuality, but also just the way 
the film was not a disability film, right? The person's just like a teenager, as Kalki has always said, it's a rom-com about a teenager yeah. who's, you know, finding yeah. love. And it's like any teenager story, she just happens to be in a wheelchair. And that's the other refreshing take. We did, I didn't treat the film as a disability film or that the person, mm-hmm. the problems of the disabled. You know, so I think that's what they're all lapping up and they're all like really waiting for us to be, give them the DVD so that they can, you know, talk about these issues amongst themselves. So this has set a precedent for you. It's such an amazing project. I'm not sure if you're working on anything else after this or if you should work on anything else after this. How do you think you're going to have a film that's going to satisfy mm-hmm. you beyond what Margarita did. Shunali will. Shunali will. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you working on no, right I'm now? No, I can't. Have, this is a giving birth, and when you're giving birth, you can't think of the next child. <laughs> the baby's still coming out. Okay, I'm going to ask the same question to Kalki. So, again, amazing role. So, do you have some sort of role in mind that you want to do now after this one? Or I've do you never think had that, that, and I think, you know, Margarita has released now, so there's a lot of buzz around it. But I made this film two years ago. We shot it two years ago. So for me, that that's where I learned, and I, I then took that what I my learning into my next project that I then worked on. So you know, we 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 tend to think that this immediate moment of buzz right now is is all that matters. But you know, life happened after Margarita yes. two years ago. So uh, I'm continuing to work, and I think that as long as I feel challenged as an actor. I feel like I'm a little bit afraid, mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, in new territory. And, you know, there's originality to the story and to the voice of, of, of the director. You know, there's something that's being said, even if it's been said a thousand times, in a different way, in a different light. I, I think that's what matters. I want to go back to one of the earlier questions about the role of women in Indian cinema and the role uh, women are portraying in Indian cinema right now. And I want to ask you, Kalki, because you've had such diverse sort of roles and you kind of effortlessly effortlessly moved between art house kind of films and mainstream films. and not exactly uh, say it's effortless. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems effortless, right? I'm sure there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind the scenes, but when you're watching it, it's just beautiful. Um, so... What do you think? I mean, don't you worry at times that if you're working on a challenging project like Margarita, that you could be typecast that way and might lose out on an opportunity to do a mainstream Bollywood film? But I was typecast from the start, so I've not really, you know, got a choice but to break the stereotypes and the typecasting. You know, I was typecast straight after Dave D. I yes. got about five scripts about prostitutes. <laughs> you know, everyone wanted me to become a prostitute in the next role. And I was like, oh, gosh. And I said no, and I waited one and a half years for my next next film. I went and wrote a play, Skeleton Woman, which is actually a feminist play based on a feminist book called Women Who Run With The Wolves. So I went and did something else because I, I didn't want to get stuck in mm-hmm. one mold of like bold, dark, sexy character, you know, mm-hmm. which which is immediately what happens. And even now, you know, now I'm doing commercial cinema. There's a certain typecast in that itself, you know, play that tomboyish girl or, or you know, the slightly wacky girl or whatever. So, uh, you know, again, it's about breaking each and every stereotype because you're only as new as your last film. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, a body of work takes a lifetime. I mean, uh, if, I, if I wanted to stop now, then, you know, I'm 
Yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, I want to go back to the previous topic of biases, but then biases within cinema. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, working on an interesting project like Margarita and how that could be a little bit difficult to do mainstream roles. And just also the, with you personally, you know, I mean, you're not the typical Bollywood, you know, dusky hair, um, you know, dusky skin kind of a lady. So did you see, see it as a very big challenge? Because you, you are playing Indian women, yeah. right? So do you see that as a as a challenge? Or how was it for you to start this journey? Again, it, 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 I can't plan this because, you know, I am this white girl born in Tamil Nadu in a small village called Periyamudalya Chavadi. You know, <laughs> speaking fluent Tamil. Could you say that again? Periyamudalya <laughs> Chavadi. <laughs> Uh, you know, a little fishing village, and and from there, I you know, I I became an actor, uh, and I live in India. India is my home, and India is my family. India is my 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 life. So why will I not try and find work where I am, and and mm-hmm. be inspired and mm-hmm. creatively inspired constantly by my environment? I'm constantly writing uh, according to my experiences of what I've felt growing up in India. You know, all the pieces I've written on women, or or my plays and stuff. So. I, I feel like, you know, this is who I am, and I, I am not apologetic for that. I, I, I really embrace the fact that I am different and I look different. I can't, you know, I'm not going to get skin grafted and try and <laughs> blend in. Uh, but, uh, but at the same time, I am completely Indian. So I'm glad that there's a space for somebody like me. I'm glad that I, you know, I don't know how much I'm responsible for that or other people, uh, you know, the accommodation of mm-hmm. other people. I think it's a bit of both. I think we do have an industry which is open, actually, if you if you try to do something different and you're you know you're persistent. There are ways to do it. I do feel there's a lot of support that comes if you're genuine and sincere about something. Um, and and then it's about you know how stubborn you are. Doing you know, it's so interesting about race politics, like. In India, I like I was a little bit nervous that oh, is this going to be an issue that she's playing an Indian middle class girl? And you know, we felt like you know, we make a Punjabi, and you know, they're very fair people. Mali herself is so fair. There was no issue in India for anybody ever questioning that. Why did you cast Kalki and you know Kalki? Like she's white, and why did you cast her in Toronto? When I was in Toronto, the our world mm-hmm. premiere, this race politics reared its ugly head when the question was asked that. You know, but isn't she white? Why would you cast a white girl? It's like casting a white person to play a slave. I was like, see, this oh, is wow. because wow. this girl is more Indian than me. She is born and grown up in India, so it would be reverse racism that she is the absolute right actor for this role, yeah. and because of her skin color. And in fact, one of the finalists for this character was uh, Canadian-born, uh, so Canadian-Indian. Mm-hmm. Uh, one parent is white and the other parent is, and she has gone on the Indian parents, so she's very dark skinned. And this person who was raising this issue of race politics, like really slammed the film, loved the film, and then said, Oh, but she's white, and then slammed the film and wrote a whole blog about it. And I said, Oh, so if I cast your friend, would you have had a problem? No. So I said, Can you not understand and see the, the absolute racism that you're projecting here? That because she's dark skinned. She's so Canadian. I didn't. I couldn't cast her because she's so Canadian in her walk and talk. And she's so Indian. She's born and grown up in India. And so I should. This is reverse racism if I don't cast her. She's more Indian <laughs> yeah. than the Canadian girl. Yeah. Why yeah. is the Canadian girl? Because of skin color. This is the really ugliness funny. of North American race politics. Because I, I, a lot of people like ask me, so are you Indian? So I say, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I say I'm French, actually, uh, and then they say, uh, so which of your parents is Indian? 
So I said, neither of them, they're both French. And they're like, so you're not Indian? I said, well, I'm born and brought up and I, you know, I've lived all my life there and my whole family is there, so I am Indian. And they're like, do you like Indian food? <laughs> do, you think, uh, do you like spicy food? Can you handle it? And I'm just like, you know, so finally now to like cut the, cut the long story short, I, I say, you know, you know how Denzel Washington is black, but he's American. I'm white, but I'm Indian. Yeah, that is great. <laughs> All right, now, now it's the uh, cue for me to check if Sri has any questions for us. Sri, are you on the line? I guess not. So um, let's move on to a question that we got from Twitter. Arthi Virani asks, for all three of you, would you say the line between indie and commercial cinema in terms of themes explored is blurring in India? Yes, I would actually. I, I think that that's, uh, that's one of the wonderful new things that has happened uh, in the last 10 years is that you really can't make that division anymore between what is quote-unquote commercial Indian film and, and we ourselves say we are a commercial film. And, you know, we are a commercial film because we are running successfully in theaters and, and it's accessible and people want to buy tickets and watch it. What does it mean to women filmmakers blurring the lines between indie and commercial cinema? Because we started the conversation saying that it's going to be a little bit difficult for women filmmakers to do mainstream cinema because of the themes explored. And now that there's this blurred lines between, you know, indie and um, mainstream, so do you think that it's going to open up opportunities for, for women filmmakers? Or what, is, what is the impact of that for women? No, I think it's more an issue of like what are the kind of roles that women actors are going to get. And uh, so, yeah, in terms of women filmmakers, that yes, there, there are some of us who are making the quote-unquote typical Bollywood films and some not, and it's great that the opportunities will open up for everybody. But more than women, I think the issue is really for the filmmaking and for our audiences as a whole, that there's a changing taste there's a, you know, there's, so there's no longer that division that existed when Sham Beringal is making brilliant films and those are just <coughs> parallel cinema. It was parallel cinema. Today it's not parallel. So it's actually a huge thing for the film industry and for our country and for audiences more than so for just women. All right, great. I think we're just about wrapping up. So before I thank all of you, I want to get everyone's last words before we go. But before that, I'd like to thank uh, Naif. Arun, Jitin, all of you for hosting us today and, you know, three of you for joining us for the Saja and Sama Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is the 15th annual New York Indian Film Festival that's on from yesterday, May 4th, all the way to 9th. There are several venues showing cinemas, mostly the uh, the Village East Cinema, 2nd Ave and 2nd Street that's showcasing all the wonderful films this year. And today we have Vibha's film also, all sold out. So if you're interested in going for the 9 p.m. show, which is the only show that's available, uh, do do sign up and uh, check that out. So before we wrap up, three of you, I mean, we explored a lot of interesting topics today. We talked about sexuality. We talked about women filmmakers, role of women in society as well as film. Um, what would you close this, this discussion with each of you? Can you just give us a quote? I'll say what I like people to leave Margarita with, that I hope that you learn to love and accept yourself as women. That's beautiful. For me, because I've uh, taken on an issue which is very sensitive in India right now, I think it's uh, very important that uh, in any kind of movement, uh, people are not left with disgust and disillusionment, but with hope, so that we can continue the fight. And once the hope is lost, the fight's over. So you know what? Please do come and see India's side of the story, which is about hope. All right, thank you. What about you, Kalki? 
I think for me it's always been, um, you know, uh, when we talk about feminism, we always think it's a man versus woman issue. And I think it's really important that we remember that it's it's about equality and it's about, you know, I think we need to give everybody the same kind of attention. And I, I keep saying that men need education. We keep mm-hmm. saying educate the girl child. I think educate the boy child so that he can be prepared for the educated girl child, yeah. you know. So I think that's so a really true. important uh, thing to Thank you so much Thank for you. joining us Thank all three you. of you, and congratulations on your wonderful projects, and good luck to to the three of you for the future. Thank, Thank you, you very for joining much. us. Thank you.